Hi, I'm Sam Lyon, a UK-based singer-songwriter, and this is the Unsigned Chat Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 54 of the Unsigned Chat Podcast with me, your host, Matt. If you're new to the podcast, a very warm welcome. And if you enjoy the podcast, please do go and follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. You can find us at Unsigned Chat. So in this episode, I have another fantastic guest where we talk about all things music. So let's jump straight into the episode and welcome Sam Lyon onto the show. Sam, hello and how are you? I'm all right, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Happy New Year to you. I know, yeah, doesn't it feel like ages ago already? (laughs) It does, doesn't it? I actually can't believe that we're actually already nearly at the end of January. Oh, I know, it's just madness. I just feel like January so far has just like disappeared really quick. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It really has. I I noticed on your Instagram, I feel like I can say it because obviously you put it on Instagram, you are obviously doing your house up at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, much, oh God, it's the most stressful, stressful thing in the world, but amazing. <laughs> Have you been watching like Grand Designs? Is that where you've got uh, the idea from? We binge watch Grand Designs. We love it. <laughs> it seems like a really big job. It is. It, I mean, to be honest, it's, we probably could have left it. I mean, it was absolutely functional to begin with but I think we just wanted something to make our own and and it's been really lovely actually but yeah you don't realize just how much work goes into stuff if you decided now that you want to be an interior designer is that your new career move <laughs> I've always well I've, yeah I've always been creative in every sense so I think since I was a kid I wanted to be you know a fashion designer an interior designer a singer and everything else <laughs> so it's nice to be able to do the interior design now are you overseeing it all then? Yeah, well, yeah, we're mostly like kind of doing about a lot of DIY and roping in the family to help, really. But <laughs> yeah, that's what they're there for, isn't it? Exactly, taking advantage of. <laughs> and obviously, everything that's gone on over the last sort of couple of years with the virus now. But what are you up to for twenty twenty two with your music? What's your what have you got going on with that? So uh, I'm working on an album at the moment, my debut album, and it's it's cool. We've just had all our, our band rehearsals kind of underway now and uh, looking at getting the recording dates in. But that's the, the big thing for 2022 is is getting an album out there. Because this is the is this the one, if I remember correctly, where you were um, like crowdfunding for it? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. And how did that go? How, how was that? It's all right. I mean, it's still live. I've kind of left it running, but I, um, I think so far it's it's reached is it about four thousand five hundred pound or something like that, um, which is amazing, absolutely amazing. That that just goes to show the support that you've got then as an artist, doesn't it? You've got a lot of fans that are willing to invest in you like that upfront. Yeah, it's incredible, really, because I think everyone who does crowdfunding, you always have that sort of tinge of of guilt of you know feeling cheeky when you set up something like that but it's it's not until you sort of start it and get the ball rolling that you realize that people actually want to invest in you and that's the nicest feeling in the world you know you're not 
asking people for money there they want to actually get involved and sort of see the project through and be a part of it which is really lovely I think though because you were also offering like incentives as well weren't you to people that did um invest in you yeah well that's always kind of been important to me because I've done this with my mailing list as well for several years um in that I do like a little giveaway every month and I just think it's it's important for people to kind of feel yeah like that you know they're being rewarded for for their loyalty and I think because if if people are supporting you you know you I want to be able to say thank you and and show my appreciation for it and especially with like a crowdfunding project people are you know putting their money towards something that's for me a really really big thing and they don't need to do that but they're choosing to do that and if I can say thank you in return by offering them like a slice of the album or you know something that comes with the album or their name on the album or anything like that I think it's just a nice way of saying kind of thank you for for allowing me to to do something that I enjoy and thank you for being a part of it. And with your album is this obviously without giving too much away at the moment is it going to be like a happy sort of album is it a sad sort of album well do you know what i mean i i love to sit there and say it's a really jolly happy album but i'm really terrible at writing happy songs so <laughs> there's a few there are i'm, I'm not going to say it's a miserable album because it's absolutely not in the slightest but um there are there's a nice mixture there's a nice mixture it's interesting because i actually ran a poll on twitter and it was asking people when they write songs, did they mainly write happy songs or sad songs? And it was amazing that most people actually write sad songs. Yeah, it's funny. It's really funny because I think you find as well, a lot of musicians are really chirpy people <laughs> and they're quite outgoing and they're, you know, I wouldn't say necessarily say that they're all extroverted, but they know how to be people like workers, you know? And, and, and so you don't think that they would write miserable things in a an easy way but I mean naturally yeah that's what comes out is <laughs> all the emotion but then I suppose if you if you look at it you kind of think when people are in like their really happiest mindset is the first thing they think of let's write a song or is it when it's they're yeah. in like the worst moment that's when their emotions they want that outlet to be able to express themselves yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean, a lot of songs come as a, a form of release, I think. Um, and, and yeah, just kind of expression of like, I've got all of these thoughts, I need to kind of get them out. But then I guess when you're really happy, you know, you've got some wonderful things that you can write about. But oddly, it's very difficult. <laughs> and I don't know why. I wish I knew why. <laughs> now, the, the one thing I always think of when anyone ever mentions your name is the quirky venues you before covid used to perform in yeah i love novelty venues i just think it's such a quirky thing to do but that's the one thing that i always remember you for when people mention your name is the quirky <laughs> venues and it's always like the real sort of quirky places yeah yeah i mean the one that springs to mind most for me is um on my was it my last tour i think it was on my last uk tour and i played a date in london on um like an old navigator ship that was docked up um and kind of on display but it was it was really cool and it was really intimate 
and um, just yeah really special because I, I love smaller venues because you can engage with the crowd a hell of a lot more than you can in big venues like you can actually talk to people kind of direct and face to face and introduce songs in a way that you know that people are kind of relating to when you can see it on their faces and and I just think you know when you're when you're going to a gig it's, it's part of the experience is the place that you're going to and um yeah I just I think it's a really um a lovely thing to tie together the music and also the experience so do most of these quirky venues do they contact you or do you kind of look for them what how does that kind of work for you both really bit of both I mean I mean I'm really lucky now in that because I've been a, a performer for a good while a lot of work comes to me now and I don't have to actively outsource a lot but um but I still do I mean with my tours I I outsource everything because I'm I'm the one nagging people if I can play there <laughs> but um yeah like, like throughout the year like shows that I play it's just I guess a lot of either word of mouth and people are recommending me or, or you know, various things really yeah where would you like to play then was you obviously going back into 2022 where's that one place where you think this is where I want to perform this year Ooh, I don't know. I want to play all new places, new quirky places that I, I haven't been to before. I'd love to just, because I, I, I think my job is really good in that, you know, I can get to see the country whilst I'm doing my job. And that's a really, like, a blessing in itself. I think that, that's the thing, isn't it? When you're on the road like that, you can be literally anywhere. And there's so many quirky places that you could literally be in any one of them at any time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, and one of the perks is, is uh, being like an independent musician. Um, when you're on tour, you know, you've booked it all yourself. So if you want to have a day in between two, two kind of gig dates to just explore a city that you've never been to, you can do that. It's completely fine. You don't have to ask a manager's opinion or, or permission or anything. So it's, it's a really lovely um, thing sort of working for yourself because I can explore places and do things at my my leisure and just yeah I just I can do things the way I want to do them and still enjoy my job and it doesn't feel like a job because I'm going from you know date to date to date. What's your favourite city then? What's the one place that you really like getting drawn back to? I do I must say it's probably Chester which is probably the city that's closest to me where I live and I just think Chester is is such a a wonderful city and the the family of uh, it's almost like because it's such a small city it's got a real community kind of feel and all the musicians know all the other musicians and everyone looks after each other and you know everyone goes along to support live music in the city and that's that's really really special whereas I think because places like London even though it's an, an incredible incredible city because it's so big and there's such a, a, a massive variety of, of music and entertainment, you don't quite get the intimacy and the community feel that you do in smaller cities. So it'd probably be Chester. I think Chester's, I really love Chester. And you have to mention that your big thing this year is going to be your album. Are you looking yeah. to get some gigs in as well and maybe some live performances somewhere? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'd love to do another UK tour to help promote it. Um, and hopefully will will be a case. I mean, I think I've been a bit hesitant to book anything because of COVID. But 
hopefully we're kind of on the other end of that now. So, yeah, hopefully. I think that's the thing, isn't it, right now that obviously more and more things are beginning to open again. So it's going to be great for musicians who can get back out on the road and do their live performances. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it, it's been a long time coming because even though places have opened back up again, there's still a lot of like hesitant people and, you know, people don't want to go out and they don't want to be around other people for too long or too closely. So the, the venues that have been open have still been struggling. So it has been a sort of a slow starter again, really. But it's it's lovely to see that there are still people willing to support live music and that it is still thriving in places when when things are held, you know. Do you think that when you go back out on the road again, you'd be quite mindful of um, how you do things when you perform? Yeah, my, most of the time it's it's more up to the venue, I guess, than the act. Um, and I think because a lot of the venues that I play tend to be quite intimate places and smaller venues and that kind of thing, that does make it difficult with covid circumstances because if you've got a small venue which naturally would like on a normal day would fit i don't know 30 people if you're socially distancing you could probably only fit about 10 people in that room so it's it's going to be a case then of me looking at different venues which maybe would cater for you know a different kind of audience and and things like that so it, it's a mixture of both my, me looking at a options and also how the venue sort of manage the situation as well really yeah because on one side you kind of don't want to lose the sort of little quirky venues that you like playing in but you also want to get out there and live gig as well so it's a bit of a balancing act isn't it it is it is absolutely yeah and obviously i mean i don't know whether you've seen on social media there's been quite a lot of people posting about it recently the whole sort of content creator versus music musicians What's your intake on it and what's your thought of it? Ooh, I'm, I quite enjoy both sides of it, really, because uh, I've, like I said before, I've always been a creative person through and through since I was young. And that is something that I've always loved. And that is, is what drove me to become a full-time musician and have this as my job because I enjoy it. But then after I finished school, I went straight into an office job where I learned all about business and running a business and marketing and, and that kind of thing. And that almost initiated a new love for organizing things and, and knowing about businessy things. And, and I, I actually really love that side of things, too. And, and it is a, a big juggling act, I will admit. You know, it's not just being a full-time musician people think you are just creative all the time and you wake up and you write songs and you record songs and you play gigs and then you go to sleep and it's not like that at all it's a case of you know wake up answer all the emails you've got go on plan on all your facebook your instagram send out all your mailing list things and and all your upcoming gigs and then go to a gig and do the gig and then sleep <laughs> so it's a, a constant juggle of of kind of business and content and creativity and sometimes some take over more than others and you've got to kind of rein it back in and, and engage your creativity again which can be very difficult but yeah it's a juggling act so do you see yourself more as a musician or a content creator I would say probably a musician um, because I'm out gigging 
a lot of uh, the time you know a lot most of the year I'm I'm out I think my record I think I've done like 300 shows in a year or something like that so ultimately I'm a performer um but I I think with that I you know when I'm playing a gig or whenever I'm writing a song I do film it and it ends up on social media so it doesn't necessarily feel like I do things for social media I think I do things for my performing side and kind of just get snippets and then the content comes from that if that makes sense and obviously you mentioned there that um you did 300 shows in one year do you think think 2022 will be a year where you could do 301 (laughs) i mean i I, probably not (laughs) (laughs) i i would love to break that record but i i think it's this year i think it's still a, a a tough one to uh to do that in sort of mid mid to end covid times i've already yeah. had sort of even you know we're three weeks into this year and i've had i think three cancellations this month already because oh. venues are still struggling from you know lack of audience and things like that so I, as much as i would love to break that record i don't think it's doable just yet <laughs> i mean that must have been like a hard year for you though musically doing 300 shows i mean how how was that like at the end of it emotionally for you? I mean, that was like emotionally draining. It is and it isn't because you know some of those shows are local shows and and although you know you're not playing to to big massive audiences, I find I get just as much, if not more, pleasure from playing local shows where I can socialise and I can actually talk with the people and, and you know, my leisure life is also then my my work life and that's a really nice way to um, to join the two as opposed to when you play the bigger shows or tour shows. Um, that's when it, it's a little bit more stressful because, you know, you have to be focused and you have to do things in a sort of order Um but yeah, I think sometimes the local things are what keep me going, really. And and things like open mics, I love open mics because I can just relax and I can enjoy listening to people and feeling inspired by new artists and, and things like that, you know. I think a lot of a lot of people think, why do you do open mics if you're a full-time musician? But I that's my enjoyment is the open mics. I think I find them just I, I really yeah, really inspiring. So with the open mics that you've obviously been to, which other unsigned artists are you quite a fan of at the moment? Who who are the ones we kind of think, oh, they're going to be ones for the future? Oh, that's a good question. I probably have a good handful, to be fair. And I think most of them I've played with on several occasions now. Um, But I would probably have to say, um, let's see, my top three. My top three would probably be Sophie Morgan, Megan Dixon Hood, and John Darley. Yeah. So, what type of music? What type of music do they do? Are they kind of like similar to you, or similar? Yes, um, I guess so. Sophie is yeah, like chilled, kind of lovely acoustic, kind of yeah, lovely, kind of happy, subtle, smooth jazz. Not even smooth jazz. I don't even know what you'd say. I just lovely is the purest word for <laughs> and then Megan does like almost soundscapey big euphoric kind of 
piano songs uh and john darley is the happiest person you will ever ever listen and and watch you know he's he's so jolly and he writes the most positive uplifting songs and you just listen to them with a big smile on your face so they must be at least the three people that when you do live shows they could be supporting you yeah, Sophie and Megan have on a couple of occasions, actually. I'm yet to get John involved, but uh, that I, I will do. <laughs> that, that'll be balancing out, will it, then? If he writes the positive songs and you perform some <laughs> sad songs, yeah. that kind of balance. <laughs> yeah, we might have to put him on last, though, to cheer everyone up. <laughs> oh, bless you. So with your <laughs> album, can you say much about it? Like, you know, some of the, what the, some of the songs, how they came about or anything like that, without giving too much away, obviously. Yeah, well, I think if if anyone's followed my my social media over the past, I don't know, couple of years or so, you'd probably see that I've had a bit of a tough two years. And the album, although not all of the songs were written within this two years, some of them are older songs, but they they almost fit into the experience that I've had in the past couple of years. It's a lot of, of, of the nature of the album follows my journey over this past two years of, so I lost my, my dad a couple of years ago and sort of have struggled with a lot of things as a result of that. And so the songs almost take on a little journey and a little story of, of my experience through grief and through seeing the world with new eyes and kind of, recognizing happiness again and just a whole range of different emotions and experiences that you go through in in times like that and yeah I mean I wish I could tell you a lot more but I kind of also want to keep things a little bit stum. <laughs> no, no absolutely I don't want you to give away you know everything I just kind of like wondered if there's like anything you could kind of say about it that was all around don't you to yeah. give all your secrets away until it's ready for yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if you want any any extra info, my uh, the crowdfunders get a lot of uh, sort of exclusive behind the scenes stuff. So, uh, so that's your little way in. <laughs> nice little plug there. I saw what you did there. So I like it. There's nothing wrong with self plugging, is there? Oh, you've got to get into the habit of it. It's terrible. <laughs> Have you heard much about uh, NFTs? Do you know? Do you know what? The first thing I heard of, it, of this was today, and I had a okay. Google, and I don't have a clue what it is still. But it's, yeah, I don't know what is this. I'm not. A, I'm not a pro at it. I honestly don't know much about it. All I keep kind of knowing is that a lot of people are talking about. You know, eventually musicians are going to be doing this, and it's something to do with like non-fungible um, tokens. So it's like okay. artwork and things like that. Um, I don't know a whole lot about it, but I just, I just kind of wanted to kind of get your view on it or whether it's something that you're looking to do as an artist. Or Yeah, I mean, I couldn't give you a good enough answer for that one because I, I don't know what it is, really. <laughs> At least you're being honest. Yeah, I mean, I, I wish I was more educated, but I think I was watching a video today where they were talking about it and I was like, what is this? I've never heard of this before. <laughs> I think that's the thing, isn't it? Right now, there's so much new stuff coming out. It's yeah. hard to kind of like keep track of everything. It's like cryptocurrency and all that sort of stuff. 
Yeah, and especially like I'd say over the the lockdown period, everything's just evolved at like a thousand percent faster than normal because everyone's had to acclimatize to the new digital times. And so, yeah, there's so many new things coming out in in no time at all. And I'm a bit old fashioned, Sam. You know what I mean? It's like I like doing things the traditional way. Yeah, I think I'm with you. <laughs> there's too much of this like new technology and new stuff that they're bringing out of i just like i'm a bit old-fashioned i know do you know what i uh, i bought a new uh laptop a few years ago and i was looking at all the the new laptops and i was like where is the cd drive where's the cd roll and they were like i don't like them anymore i was like are you joking you can't get rid of cds that's my livelihood (laughs) (laughs) that's literally the one thing a musician needs isn't it and and they're just being banished from existence now and I don't know what to do about it. <laughs> You'll have to start doing it by like memory sticks. Well, I know, but did you know what actually it's quite funny you say that because on my last tour I introduced like a, a new range of merchandise with the intention of not being um not having any plastic or anything like that in them and being recycled and things like that. And one of the things that I brought out was a little USB with all my songs on. And it was a, a little cork kind of top in a glass jar, like a little, almost looked like a little fairy dust bottle. Um, and it had a USB in there. And, and I thought it was a really novelty kind of gift. And it came in like a little a little bag with some tree seeds and things like that. And I was like, everyone's going to want to buy this. And no one was interested. <laughs> well, I think I sold, I sold a fair few, but I thought it, uh, I, to me, I was like, what an amazing idea. And I don't think people took to it as much as I did. <laughs> Do you think it's a bit like the... Uh the mini disc CDs that they brought out that was going to be the next big thing to take over from CDs that I think a few people bought and that was it. Yeah. Yeah, there's been so many funny things over the years. Like I remember floppy disks and then there were like the little mini floppy disks which were tiny, tiny things and the mini CDs. Yeah, there's so many funny things when you think back. It's like everything though, isn't it? Everything kind of just like full circle. Yeah, it especially, does. Especially when you now look at how like vinyls becoming more and more popular. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So if I keep hold of my really, really old car with my CD player in, eventually it'll be worth a fortune. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> or the CD player might be worth more than the car, one or the other. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I'm rip the CD player out and that's worth more. <laughs> it is. It's just funny how like things go full circle. It's like mobile phones, isn't it? They started off such a big phone, then they got smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller, and then they got bigger and bigger and bigger again. Yeah, that's right. And and they've now brought back the flip phone, which I think is actually kind of satisfying. <laughs> is that what you've got? Have you got like a, a flip phone? No, I haven't. My phone's really, really old, but I'm I'm not I don't keep up with the times. I'm really I'm I'm like you. I'm a little bit of a, a traditional kind of I don't I'm not I don't know. I don't consider myself very materialistic. So as long as it functions, great. <laughs> as long as you can make a phone call and check your emails. Yeah, exactly. Because they they've closed BlackBerry, haven't they? They've stopped doing that now. Yeah, I saw that. Isn't that funny? I imagine you've got one of them. I've got imagine you've got one of them phones where it's you pull the aerial out of the top of it. <laughs> I'm not that bad. No, I'm not that bad. <laughs> or oh, the Nokia thirty three ten with Snake. 
do you know what? They don't make anything like a Nokia thirty three ten. That was that was indestructible. That was a great phone. It was. It really, really was. I remember, you know, that being in in school, and I had a really, really old phone, and I was uh, getting a new phone the next day, and I. So I was with my friends and I was like, let's just see if we can destroy this one just for the hell of it. I mean, I would never dream of doing it now because I've got too much value. But as a kid, you kind of don't think twice about it. And so we were throwing it against a wall and standing on it and it would not break at all. That's the thing, though. They, they were indestructible. I don't know, because they brought them back out, didn't they, like different colours. I don't know what they're like now, but they, they just didn't break. No, I know. I know. It's sad, really, because everything now is designed to break. And that's really sad. Yeah, because then it teaches you then to go out and buy something else. Yeah, exactly. That's how they make their money. That's how, that's how they uh, rope everybody back in to make another purchase. Give it a short lifespan. Yeah, I know. That's it. Do any sort of live streaming then online with your music? Yeah, I, I did at the start of lockdown. Um but I haven't actually really. Other than that, I think I only did a few. Um, but no, I haven't done done much to be honest. It's a good a good idea, but I I don't know. I never got into the swing of it. Is that because you're more a traditionalist and prefer to meet people face to face and perform actually in front of people? I mean, I do I do absolutely prefer that. Um, but I I think yeah. I, well, at the start of lockdown is when I started doing it, and then obviously with everything that happened with losing my dad I obviously I just ignored music for a good while because I couldn't even bear the thought of it because it just upset me too much and so the live streaming then you know as a result stopped and I just never got back into it but I'd be completely open to doing it um but you know nothing compares to a real life gig where you've you can hear people clapping and you can see the expressions on their faces like nothing will ever compare to that um but yeah i don't know i just never got into the the routine of doing it really but it seemed to work for you by not doing it because obviously it's it's given you an opportunity to work on your album yeah definitely it's kind of worked a way in your favor to give you that opportunity to work on your album so for this year, you've got something to go out with again. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was, you know, a blessing and a curse was lockdown and, and having the time away from music because it, it did give me that, uh, yeah, the headspace to, to stop because I realised, you know, I hadn't stopped for either on the business side or the creative side at all in a long 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 time you know like 10 years or whatever and and the 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 lockdown and the and the kind of passing of my dad just made me stop everything and that just although I mean you know my head was then filled with grief but I it it also then took the weight off of business pressures and creative pressures and that that was a blessing because that's something I I've not had since starting life as a musician and it does kind of give you a bit of fresh air almost to start again and, and reignite your creativity so right now then have you kind of relit the spark then for your music career for 2022 I mean, obviously you've got your album coming out yeah i would say so i've i've got all the um the album tracks are written and i've actually for the first time produced all of the demos which has been really really satisfying because 
whenever I've recorded in the past, I have kind of, I've just had a guitar and I've written a song to a guitar and I've gone into the studio and said, okay, here's the song. And we've brought in session musicians who, you know, I don't know, like a violin or piano or drums or whatever, and just given it to them. And they've gone, okay, I'll put my twist on this. And, and it ends up not just being your song anymore. It ends up being sort of several people's, which is amazing because it can grow into something incredible, but it also might not be how you first envisioned. And so sitting down and having the chance to, fully produce something myself and write all of the instrument parts in exactly the way that I want them to sound is really quite satisfying because you suddenly discover what kind of musician you are in in the you know the purest form what are you like in the studio then are you someone who's like a bit of a control freak and likes to control everything or are you quite sort of open to other people's ideas but then are more than happy to kind of say no if you don't like something yeah, definitely the latter. Definitely the latter. I think it's really, I'm quite chilled, really. Um, I think collaboration is a, a really beautiful thing. And especially when you're working with incredibly talented people, um, sometimes, you know, it's almost like when you're proofreading and you can read the same line over and over again and not spot what's missing or spot a mistake until you get a second pair of eyes on it and they go okay this is missing I think it, it's almost a bit like that in that you can sit with a song for for so long and it's as good as you can get it but then you give it to someone else and they can just add that little bit of magic on the top and you would never have thought about how to do that and so I like to just give people almost a little bit of creative free reign but you know if I don't like something I'm not afraid to kind of say okay maybe we do it slightly differently from that that's such a polite way of saying that you don't like it <laughs> it's rubbish <laughs> <laughs> such a polite way I mean that's the thing though isn't it is that when you write something and you in your mind you know how you want it to sound how you want it to feel and when somebody else kind of looks at it they don't have that same emotional attachment so they can kind of look at it through a different spectrum. Yeah, different and, and it's quite interesting, actually, with the, with the album. There's a song on the album which I, when I did the demo for it, I really, I, I built it up into something really huge. And then I just couldn't get it to, I don't, I don't know, something just didn't sit right with it. And I put loads of layers on and then I took all the layers off and then I put them different layers on. And I just, I don't know what it was about it until I, took everything back off it and just made it really really simple and I, I realized that's all it needed it was very much about the story that was behind the song and the lyrics and the simplicity of it and when we went into the band rehearsal and I you know gave the parts to the band I think naturally when when you're all together in a big group you you naturally want to kind of all play on something and give it that big lift but but with this one, it was almost reining them all back in and just saying, you know, this one is about the story. You need to keep this one simple. And um, it's quite difficult, actually, to keep something simple. <laughs> have you got quite a good band then? Have you been kind of like honing it over the last few years to get the right people that you wanted? Uh, in a way, yes. And in a way, no, really, because I, I tend to play as a solo artist, you know, 99% of the time. Um and it's only in the past couple of years 
with the past few projects or the the tour and I think I did a couple of years ago that's the only time that I've really played with a band um and a couple of them are people that I've known um sort of individually through various other projects and I've worked with them and I I've got a good relationship with them so I've invited them on for this project and the pianist I'd never met before um I was actually sent his, his sort of like his website someone recommended him to me and I just sort of took one listen to the stuff that he'd done and I, I I just knew straight away that his style and his way of working would absolutely be perfect for this project um and so it, it's always a risk when you don't know the person because you think you know when when you finally meet it could be that you work in very very different ways or they could have a very very strong i don't know like jazz style or or rock influence or that kind of thing and so you don't know how it's going to go down whereas with the others i i knew them as uh, musicians for a long time before and they knew me and my style but actually when we all came together it's it just worked instantly and everyone just bounces off each other and almost knows what each other is thinking just with a look and that's really really special that's that's good that's when you know you kind of got that fine balance isn't it when people can kind of just come together and kind of know how it's going to work out yeah yeah it's really something special do you prefer performing as a band or as a solo i know you said that you obviously do a lot of performances as a solo artist but which do you prefer? Ooh, okay. That's a tough one, really. I think I like both for different reasons. I love the freedom I've got of, of playing on my own. Um, because if I want to slow a song down or make it faster or do it differently, I can. And, you know, all the focus is on, on me when I'm playing a gig so I can talk to the audience in a real intimate way. But playing with a band is really, really incredible because you, you're you hearing your songs in a different way every time, you know. Like people lift them in a different way depending on the vibe of the room and, and things like that. And there's being on stage with people is a really, really lovely thing because I never really get to do that. So kind of both. Kind of, I, I don't know if I could pick. Oh, that's another good uh, politically correct answer, just in case you don't want to offend anybody. I see what's happening here, Sam. <laughs> so would you recommend like other artists do crowdfunding for projects? Because obviously I know people like to talk about it and then they don't do it, but would you recommend it to others? And Yeah, I, I know a few musicians um, around sort of the local area, really, that I've, I've played alongside on a couple of occasions. I know they've done a few things recently. I've seen a couple doing albums or music videos and they always seem to do really well, which is really lovely to see. Um, it's just having that courage to initially do it because you always, yeah, you always have that feeling of, of guilt. I think you can't, you'll never shake that of, of feeling cheeky and like you're asking for money because it always feels like that. But it's, you know, it's not until you get the, the project started that you see the support that rolls in. And it's been very clear with all of the other musicians that I've seen, you know, even just the comments that people leave when they make their donation. It's just really, really lovely seeing the positivity and the support that people have. I think also it kind of validates what you're doing as well, doesn't it? You know, when you see people donating, it it kind of proves that there are people out there that do like your music, that do want to support you. Yeah, it really, really does. Because that's definitely something that I know 
myself and I know quite a few other musicians do struggle with is you know uh, are people going to like what I do or or you always look at other musicians and you think they're doing so much better than me or yeah it is it's a really really tough mentally tough thing you're always comparing yourself to to others or because you're not big and famous yet you think oh I've not made it no one cares (laughs) so it's really lovely to see support coming in it really really is I think you you were right there where you touched about there's a lot of people that like compare themselves because that's like one of the biggest issues isn't it it's not necessarily just artists but in general people comparing themselves to other and everybody at some point has started off at zero so whether it be zero fans zero followers whatever so comparing yourself to others is kind of like real can be real detrimental to your music career yeah yeah really and it's so easily done as well with like being in the social media age you you log into your social media it doesn't matter which platform you're on now you go into any social media and you just see everyone achieving things and doing amazing things and and if you're having a rubbish day that can just knock you straight to the floor you know and it's it is really difficult it makes you forget about all the things that you've got and all of the things that you've achieved when you you know if you see that someone achieved you know I don't know a radio play in France or something like that and you think well I've not done that but but then if you sat and you you thought you know well I've had radio plays all over the UK or I've had something I've played a gig in France or, or whatever but you you forget about all of the things you've done when you look at what someone else has done and you need it's it's getting out of the habit of doing that you know reflection is a really really important thing but a very very difficult thing to master oh well said there son (laughs) i'm full of very good quotes today aren't i (laughs) if you you got like a book of like 365 (laughs) famous quotes or something i sure shouldn't i (laughs) just talking about social media now what's your favorite social media platform and what's your worst I don't know. Probably Facebook or Instagram I'm most active on. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I kind of see them all quite similar. I mean, I admittedly, I really don't use Twitter at all. So I, I log on every few weeks and realise I've got quite a few notifications that I've just completely missed. <laughs> and then have to kind of reply to people. And, and I'm three weeks late, you know. <laughs> so twitter's probably my worst because i just forget about it and um, but probably facebook or instagram are my most active and i i usually end up just sitting and scrolling through them and forgetting about the world and i shouldn't <laughs> <laughs> see facebook's that one platform that i just can't get into really that's interesting yeah. i mean instagram i like instagram it's okay twitter we have we get better engagement on twitter twitter works better for us okay but there's that fine line, isn't there, between great people and then vile people. Yep, yeah. With Twitter, there's that kind of like very fine line. I mean, luckily, there's a lot of people on there that, you know, are great people and, you know, there's a great bit of a community on there. But there is that sort of fine line where it can change very quickly. Yeah, I yeah, you're you're very right. And actually, I think you get that across all platforms and it's, it's a really yeah. horrible thing because people don't realise how much well uh, how human people still are you know when you're on online and you say you just have to look at news articles of of celebrities and you just think these 
these are real people that you're talking about <laughs> you know they're probably sat just like you at home on their phones like reading these things and I, I just people really just forget that there is feelings involved and I, I hate that I really you know if you don't have something nice to say it's that, that famous phrase isn't it you don't don't say anything anything at all you just why take the effort to to come up with something that's just going to bring someone down I just don't get it I don't need that. I think if you don't agree with what someone's saying, scroll past. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or say it in a productive way, at least, you know, where it's not upsetting them, but, you know, you're, you're offering an, an advice or something like that. I think some people would better just scrolling past them. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> After all, the uh, anagram of vile is evil. Oh, smart. <laughs> but, uh, no, I mean... Yeah, social media it's, has its good points and its bad points. But it's got to be one of the things that's going to be here to stay, isn't it? That's the thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But uh, I think it's going to be quite interesting where kind of social media goes next. But did you, I mean, I know obviously you weren't a big sort of user of Twitter, you say, but did you ever kind of like jump on the hype of that clubhouse? Well, you could only get it on, I think, was it like iPhone and iOS things? And because I'm, you know, <laughs> with my old phone, <laughs> I guess having, well, I, I do have um, like an, an iPad that I use for gigs with like set lists and things. So I ended up having to download it on that, but it was still like the size of the phone screen when you opened it, opened the app on oh. that. And it was just really odd. But I used it a few times. Um, but then kind of just forgot about it, really. And I should get back into it because it is such a useful, useful platform. Because it seemed that a lot of people that jumped on it seemed to be like either marketing gurus, health gurus, or some other self-development guru. Oh, I think I went on to... Um, there was one that I used to go on to, and I can't remember what it was called, but it was for upcoming musicians and it was you know you'd have a different host each time where it was like a radio presenter or it was a, a publisher or a record label or some kind of you know kind of established name in the industry um and that you could do like a Q&A or they would just give advice on a, a, a specific topic um and that was actually really helpful. Um, and I remember joining in once and asking kind of, I can't remember what it was. Was it like a, a record label or something like that? And, and being an, an independent artist, I think I'd, I kind of perked up. And I, I was so nervous because I hate talking, you know, and asking questions and things like that. But I plucked up the courage to, to ask a question. And, um, and I was just kind of asking about whether they value that uh, people are still fighting for independent music and things like that and um and they they were actually really really helpful and really supportive of it and gave really good advice which was really quite reassuring because you know when you're in something like clubhouse you feel like it's almost intimidating and it's all the people who know what they're doing or it's people who are too big for their boots and will just give you kind of you know kind of knock off answers but actually it was it it was really helpful and really interesting maybe i should have connected with better people on the yeah, <laughs> I know. I should. I should get back onto it again. Really, you're quite a shy person. Because obviously, you just mentioned about how um, you're a bit nervous about speaking up and things like that. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's it's funny because 
at my gigs when I'm playing original songs, I like to tell the stories of the songs in between. And it took a good while for me to feel comfortable doing that because I used to get really flustered and trip over my words all the time. Like now that I've talked about the songs enough, it's almost just not robotic because it's not at all, but but I, I know what to say and I know how to explain things. But if if someone, you know, came up to me at a gig and was like, oh, can you announce the raffle ticket winner? I'd really panic. Yeah. <laughs> Anything that's not the first, yeah, I'd, I'd get really flustered. <laughs> you mean you get flustered at reading out a three-digit number? <laughs> I think if it's not rehearsed, I'd be really worried about messing up. <laughs> I think you're the winner is. I know, I know. It's it's something simple as that. It's quite funny because I remember doing um, uh, like a, a live video kind of, uh, yeah, like a, a video recording for a, a a company, a music company, and at the start of each song, I just had to say, you know, my name is Sam Lyon, and this song is this, and and when I'm comfortable, like like now talking to you, I'm I'm quite comfortable, like I can do it quite effortlessly. But when you're in a really pressured environment and all eyes are on you, and it's like you need to do it, I just couldn't get it right at all, and I, I oh, it's so awful. <laughs> oh, bless you. So yeah, I'm much better now than uh, than what I used to be. Like, admittedly, a lot better. But I still, yeah, I don't know. I think I do get a little bit flustered. Is it safe to say then, any of your gigs, there's no bingo? <laughs> no bingo, no raffle tickets, nothing. <laughs> Possibly. Maybe that's how you could get your uh, your audience to pick out like the next song. Maybe you could do it by like a, a raffle number. Yeah, that's an interesting concept. I'll let you try that concept for free. You can have it. <laughs> I'll have to give it a go. <laughs> See what happens. But I mean, it's just interesting talking about that because you don't come across someone who's like shy or anything. Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it's maybe hard to tell because being, you know, a performer, a lot of the time you have like a game face that you, you put on and people would probably never think that I was um introverted and I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm introverted as such but I'm I'm a, uh, almost on that fine line between extroverted and introverted but whenever I talk to people I'm always very uh, open and very like giggly and and happy and chirpy and and stuff and I think that's the side that people show um and you, you know the other side of them is the, the the side that writes sad songs so <laughs> you know you you have a different face for uh, for public as you do you know yeah. a, a personal kind of artist so yeah i think that's the thing is that it's like it's like anything you, you kind of yeah. like want to show your best self but you're kind of aware of what's going on as well yeah yeah absolutely so where can people find you online, Sab? Where do you hang out in a non-creepy way? <laughs> Nowhere at the moment. I'm stuck at home doing DIY. <laughs> but no, I'm, on, uh, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, I'm everywhere, really. If you just type in Sam Lyon Music um, into Google, I will probably come up. <laughs> and do you have any gigs announced for 2022 yet? Or is that all still waiting? Oh, my gosh, I have plenty so if you head to my website which is samlionmusic.com um that's like l-y-o-n as well there is a full list of gig dates on there and i think i i, I do kind of get booked up 
pretty fast and it's quite nice actually that I, I do get um, a nice constant stream of bookings. But I think at the moment I've got up to the end of May on my website. So uh, go check it out. And before you go, obviously you're, you mentioned earlier, you're, it just came to me just then, but you're a full-time music artist. How did you transition from obviously being the, like a part-time one to becoming full-time? Because obviously a lot of artists want to get to the stage where they can do it full-time. What was your kind of path towards that? Yeah, I actually get asked this quite often from other musicians. Right. And I, no, no, it's, it's good because nobody actually, you know, asks me in a public sense. It's other musicians who are, who are interested in, in doing it themselves that, that tend to ask about it. But it's my biggest tip would kind of just be to see where you're at as a, a hobby musician because I did music um, as, as, a, as a side hobby for, for a long time um, whilst doing my office job and all things like that and, and I started to, to kind of log how much I was doing and writing down all the gigs and, and paid gigs and stuff like that that I, I was having and I waited until I got up to a point where I knew that I was getting a nice steady amount of inquiries through for gigs and I was also earning enough to be able to pay my, you know, the very, very basic, if I needed to pay rent, if I needed to pay bills, what was the very, very basic amount that I could, uh, that I would need to earn. And then obviously because I had another job at the time as well, which was eating into a lot of my time, I knew if I was to leave that job, I would have a lot more time on my hands to do more gigs. Um, and so it would open up, uh, you know, the platform for more income. But I just, before going full-time, I just made sure that I had that safety net of, am I earning enough on a monthly basis? And the moment I was earning enough just to cover my basic needs, I quit my office job and yeah, just spammed every venue in, in the world asking for gigs. <laughs> so literally, as soon as you got to that, break-even point where you knew you could earn enough from your music there was no having to think about it you were writing your resignation letter you were quitting you were out of there yeah quite literally well actually yeah so I went I think it was after new year and I think it was like my first day back after new year into my office job and I went in and I was so scared uh, and I sat down and I, I said to them you know I've got something that I I'd like to talk to you about and I told them I was leaving and I really looked, it was like a little family. It was a tiny little business. So everyone got on with each other and, and knew everyone's lives and everything. And I, I felt really awful because they'd become like a little family to me. And I sat down and I was like, I'm sorry, but I'm leaving. <laughs> uh, and I went off traveling for about three months. And I thought, I'll go see the, the world for a, a little while. And I did that and then came back a, and decided to go as a full-time musician when I came back. And uh, yeah, it was awesome. Amazing. And did you convert them into fans of your music? Yeah, well, it's funny because my office, the, the boss of my office job was a musician himself and actually knew me before my office job as a, a hobby musician, on, you know, doing gigs and stuff. So he was actually really forgiving if I had a a gig in an evening and I just need to leave that a little bit early, which I didn't really on, on many occasions, but, um, but he was... He was actually really supportive of it, which is quite lovely, quite rare. <laughs> he was probably hoping, Sam, that you were going to like let him open for you at one of your shows. <laughs> well, it's 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 uh, a coincidence, I guess. He's um, a 
uh, like a conductor for a big brass band and I ended up singing with his band on quite a few occasions and he's now a sponsor of my album with his company for the, my old my old job they've sponsored my album so it's like it's yeah come full circle again it's quite lovely that's when you know you've left on good terms yeah absolutely they still get me in to do occasional bits of work as well which is really nice so I can't escape them <laughs> Well, I thought you were going to say that they used to get you in to like, perform at the Christmas party. They do, actually. You say that as a joke, but every year I do do that. <laughs> yeah. That's good, though. I mean, that definitely shows that you're left on good terms. Yeah, definitely. I, it, was a, it was a really, really lovely place to work, I, I will admit. Because I think it's so easy for artists, isn't it, when they kind of get to that point where they're, they're going to like go full-time and they want to do sort of cut their hours or whatever. They kind of go in quit but then don't leave on good terms yeah yeah well I think these guys always knew that my passion was music because obviously I've been doing it before even starting the job and um and I worked there for a couple of years and, and they always knew that I did music on the side and that kind of thing but um yeah I mean it was all on good terms they were really supportive of it especially as they're also supporting your album sponsoring yeah them. I know really really lovely well Sam it's absolutely been fantastic talking to you thank you for having me you're very welcome we'll definitely get you back on the podcast again very soon once your album comes out yeah yeah amazing amazing then i feel you'll be able to talk more about the album yeah i know i won't be so <laughs> but no it's been absolutely fantastic talking to you it's always a pleasure Thank you. I know. And it's it's lovely as well, because I find with a lot of things like this, you, you get to know names or, or faces very quickly, but never the two together. So it's quite nice to hear a voice and, and you know, and also know who runs the channel and that kind of thing. So, <laughs> yeah, thank you. You might not remember, but you have been on this podcast before. I know. I think I, I, I you know what, you do that much, but I think I do remember. <laughs> I don't know. Let me just wait one minute. I'll just take that knife out of my heart. <laughs> I'm terrible. The problem is, I you know I played a gig a little while ago, and uh, and someone came up to me and they were like, "Hi, Sam, how are you?" And I I had to turn around to them and sort of say, you know, please Hi. remind how I know you. And I'd sung at their wedding. <sighs> how awful is that? <laughs> the problem is, I just meet so many people all the time, and to everyone else, I'm just one face. But when you're playing to you know hundreds of faces a night, you can't remember that many people. <laughs> It might have been different if there'd been like a punch up at the wedding. You know, yeah. something to make it a bit more memorable for you. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, but it's always a pleasure talking to you. We'll definitely get you back on the podcast when your album comes out and then we'll chat more about that. Because I'm looking forward to hearing that and learning more about it. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, I'll definitely, definitely be in touch and share it with you. Fantastic. Also, a big thanks to everyone who listens to our podcasts each week. Thank you so much for joining us for that. And we uh, hope you'll continue to listen to our podcasts. Hope you can join us next week for another episode of the Unsigned Chat podcast. But until then, have a great week. <laughs>